This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. It's about a family raising a young person to understand how much that debt really costs, how much college really costs, how much they are on the hook for, and then all of the strategies that are out there that a young person can employ to get out of school with as little debt as possible. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Thank you so much for being here today, everybody. $1.5 trillion. That is how much Americans owe in student loans. This truly disgusting situation is holding back Americans from being the best they can be. How can we solve this national crisis that is affecting 44 million people? My guest today is dedicating himself to answering this question. Adam Carroll is an author keynote speaker, and documentary filmmaker who's focusing his financial literacy junkie status directly at the student debt crisis. Adam has spoken to over a half a million people carrying a positive message of financial education and empowerment. He is a two-time TEDx speaker and has been featured in media outlets like CNBC, Fox Business News, and MSN Money. His college debt-focused documentary, Broke, Busted, and Disgusted, came out last year and parents are already calling this a must-see for high schoolers. Most importantly, though, Adam is a loving husband and a proud father of three. Welcome to the show, Adam. Andy, thank you for having me, man. It's a privilege to be here with you. Uh, Well, I'm excited to have this conversation. It is something I'm constantly worrying about because I've got two little ones and I don't want to send them into this mess either. So, you know, let's talk about that tonight. You're you're trying to shed some light on a really difficult problem with the student uh, student debt crisis. When did you decide that this was a mission that you were really wanting to dive into? Well, when I when I left college, I was a debt myself, Andy. I had twenty several thousand dollars in student loans, and I had eight thousand dollars in credit card debt. Um, I I was a rich college kid, and I lived like a rich college kid. And then I got out. And I married a, a, an insanely intelligent woman who was very savvy with money, and she cured me of my ways. <laughs> and um, shortly into our marriage, after we had blasted through all of our debt, and we first spent the first two years of our marriage. Uh, essentially reducing and eliminating all of our our monthly bills, uh, got getting rid of student loans, car loans, credit cards, consumer debt. By the time we were 26, all we had was a mortgage. Hmm. And um, and at about 28, after living for two years with all this freedom and flexibility and and uh, quite candidly free cash flow, it was like, why doesn't everyone live this way? And at 28, I started down this path of, of helping teach money to uh, high school students. And at the time, No Child Left Behind had been passed. And the teachers were saying, hey, we don't have an hour of time to give you to talk about money. Uh, but the colleges were very willing. And it was at that point that I went out and started you know, pitching my wares, so to speak, to the college market. And they ate it up. Wow. Well, and, and the and the problem that we're talking about has just increased ever since you probably started having those conversations uh, when you were at, in your late 20s. Is that right? It, 
It has. Uh, when I started, you know, it wasn't the sexy topic that it is today. Um, I think there was probably two or three hundred billion dollars in student loans. And as you mentioned in the intro, we're at one point five trillion and counting. It's predicted to be three trillion by twenty twenty five. Um, and it's no, you know, it's no surprise, Andy, I'm sure we'll talk about this tonight, but, but the, um, just the sheer amount of tuition increase and the amount of debt that families are taking on so that their son or daughter can attend their dream school. You know, it's just, it's mind boggling what's happening out there today. Yeah. I mean, so let's talk about how, how we got into this mess, how this $1.5 trillion has, has come to be. Where did yeah. this come from? How do, how do we go from, like you said, 200 to 300 billion, which sounds ridiculous, uh, to 1.5 yeah. trillion and then on our way to 3 trillion? Like what, what is, what is going on? Well, in 1965, when, when this all began, the, the Higher Loan Act or the Higher Loan Education Act was signed, and it basically made student loans available to families that otherwise wouldn't have been able to go to college. And it was, it was heralded as an amazing thing, which to this day, you know, there are still, there are people who leverage that, that would not be able to go to college. So I don't discount or disparage the fact that the bill was passed and, and, and it created the student loan. Uh, system, if you will. Um, what I do have a, cha- a problem with is when we got into like 2003, 2004, 2005, and we were sitting at around 200 billion, again, everyone in society said, hey, this is a good thing. You know, we've done right by the generations that have been able to go to school. And then what happened was the train kind of went off the tracks and uh, the housing bubble happened and credit dried up. And we had this gigantic influx of new schools and new programs that were all offering the latest and greatest degrees and accreditations. And they were taking student loans in an effort to, you know, to allow students to go through that. And ultimately what happened, Andy, was a bit of a perfect storm. We had all of this stuff going on in our economy and people went where the easy money was. And that was student loans because, uh, literally, you could you could almost fog a mirror under your nose and get money for school, <laughs> and you could get that money and then turn right around and drop out of school, and know that you had a loan, you didn't have a degree to fall back on, but you had that that amount of money that you so desperately needed, and I think that's part of what what got us here. Clearly, tuition increases and families going overboard on on private schools and all of that uh, played a part as well. Um, but, but ultimately it was a perfect storm. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously we're putting a lot of responsibility in the hands of a 18 year old saying, Hey, true. decide your life right now. And while you're at it, jump into, you know, a hundred thousand dollars plus in debt. I mean, is yeah. this, is this just too much of a decision for an 18 year old to handle? Oh, no question. No question. Um, I did a, one of my TEDx talks, at the University of Wisconsin Lacrosse, I talked about um, you know kids this age they they don't have a, a prefrontal cortex. It's the last part of their brain to fully develop, and it's the part of their brain that that is responsible for rational decision making and forward thinking. And so, an eighteen year old, and I use this analogy in the talk. I said it's as if you were telling an eighteen year old, "Hey, go pick out a house. You can buy any house you like. Doesn't matter how big it is." Um, if you need to fix it up, you can put a car in the driveway, you can furnish it inside and don't worry about how much it costs yet. 
we'll tell you how much that's going to be in about four and a half to five years. And, um, and no worry, uh, in terms of getting, you know, qualified based on your credit score, we pretty much give these to anybody. And then what happens is four and a half, five years later, a kid graduates and they realize that they bought a four bedroom home in a gated community. And what they really needed was a one bedroom condo or studio. And, and now they're stuck with that debt. And what they didn't tell them ahead of time was there is no getting rid of this. This is a hole that once you dig it, you alone are responsible for filling it back in. And, and again, most young people don't understand that because they have no prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. So we have, to, we have to change the way that we talk about college and about how it's paid for and about even the urgency of going at 18. Because quite candidly, some 18-year-olds are probably still 16-year-olds emotionally and don't have the the wherewithal to make those kinds of decisions on their own. Or even 36-year-olds who aren't, aren't sure what they want to do with their life. Hey, <laughs> case in point, right? right exactly. um, I, just, I just talked to a family that they said, well, we helped our son go through his bachelor's program and, and we essentially paid his way. And then he wanted to go get a master's degree and we told him it was on him. He took out $80,000 for his master's degree and is now a PE teacher, you know? So, so there, there's a little bit of like, what kind of behind some of these decisions. And it, and it's hard because hindsight being 2020, it's very difficult to say, Hey, 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 don't, 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 don't do that. Cause some people have it in their mind. No, this is what I'm going to go do. I'm going to pursue my passion and, 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 uh, uh, not even think about what that's going to cost them in the long run. So what what is the impact of a of a nation with this much debt? You talked about 200 billion to 1.5 now to 3 trillion where it's going. What is what is this going to do to our country? What is the impact um, of that? You know, we're already seeing it and and we're seeing it in maybe subtle ways right now. It it has to do with home ownership. Home ownership right now, the numbers are at record low levels in the United States. Um, I think we're seeing uh, what I would call millennials or Gen Y. Um, they're living a prolonged adolescence. They're living at home longer. They're not buying new cars. They're not having children. Um, I, I don't think we've begun to see the ripple effect of families starting late right now. You know, I mean, I think there will be this this 15-year window where there weren't a lot of kids had. And, and how does that impact society and our economy at large? Um, you know, candidly, and I don't want to get too much into the weeds mm-hmm. in terms of econ- economics 202, but, but our entire economy is built on debt currently. And, um, and if you go back and you stripped away all the government, the, all the debt the government has pumped into the system, our GDP is actually declining year over year. It's not growing. So we can say, oh, yeah, we've got 3% GDP growth. But if you backed out all the debt that was pumped into the system, it actually wouldn't be growing. It would be shrinking. And so I, I think that's part. I think you know our, our, our extremely savvy government and Federal Reserve System have figured out a way to sort of trick the system into believing that it's growing when, in fact, it's, it's feeding on its own cancer, if you will. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, that's, that's all too real. All too real. So you're, you're getting out there and speaking to some real students that are in the situation. And I was looking up the statistic from Student Loan Hero um, that have the average student loan debt for a class of 2017 graduate at about 40K. So yep. 
when you're speaking to these students, how is this impacting the, the typical student you're speaking with? Well, most of them, uh, to, to be really forthright about it, just don't know. Mm-hmm. They, they don't, you know, they, if I were to ask 10 students, how much do you have in student loan debt? Eight out of 10 would not know the exact number. Um, and I believe that not only would they not know the number, they wouldn't really understand how much that translates to in a payment and then how much that payment is going to impact how well or, uh, or poorly they're going to live the rest of their life or at least the next several years of their life. Um, I think the ones that are in the know and that are paying close attention and doing things out of the ordinary in order to get through school without having to borrow a ton, those are the ones that are, are miles and miles ahead. Um, it's the ones that went and said, well, I don't know, everybody gets loans, so I'm going to, and this is how you get through school. Um, I would call it the path of least resistance. And I think that many of them are in for a fairly rude awakening when they graduate and they get that first statement. Um, and I just, you know, I hope and pray that they're around savvy people who are listening to great podcasts like yours and, and figuring out, I better take control of this because this is my debt and my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's much better when you live on the other side of this coin. Well, how about some of those proactive students you mentioned, the people who are graduating and saying, okay, wow, I've got a problem to solve here. What are they doing to clean up their debt problem? You know, a, a vast majority of them are making better decisions about their expenses. Um, you know, I talk about this in a lot of the, the programs that I do. We really have, have two ways to attack the debt. We can play great offense and make more money, or we can play great defense and spend less money. And if you do both of those in tandem, you know, play great offense and great defense, um, then you have a chance of, of destroying that debt in record time. Um, the, the really savvy students, Andy, in all honesty, are probably living at home for a while. Um, some of them are living at home for six months or a year, saving enough money to buy a duplex and then renting out a room in their duplex and the other side, and they still live rent free. Um, you know, it's, they're doing things that feel like a risk or it feels like, oh, this isn't cool or, or I'm embarrassed to have to live at home. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, listen, it's better to be a broke, uh, you know, it's better to be a broke college student and a rich professional than the other way around. Mm-hmm. And it's way better to live like a broke college kid for two years after you graduate so that you can then live like a rich professional that much faster. Um, and it's not a, it's not a sexy decision, but for those that do it, I get letters and emails and uh, phone calls all the time from people saying, Hey, I did what you suggested. I lived at home. I, I sent in advance payments. I paid off my lowest balance first and so on and so on. And, and they're, they're living proof that life is better when you're tackling your debt head on. That's great. So let's talk about at the university level, uh, what, what can be done? And I know you're having a lot of conversations with, um, with students, but also probably on the university level as well. What can be yep. done from an education standpoint to, I guess, just make people aware of the true impact of what they're getting into, what they're committing to, what, what, what can yeah. be done? Well, I think number one, we got to be honest, right? I mean, if I think if, if the PhDs that were teaching classes came out and said, Hey, by the way, I borrowed $140,000 to be able to teach this class and I'm getting paid $55,000 a year. I think that would be somewhat eye-opening for people. Um, I also think that 
on the university campus, and, and many of them are doing this. So I don't want to take away from the schools that are really taking a proactive approach. But I think that they need to be focusing on living like a student. And my alma mater, the University of Northern Iowa, has run a live like a student campaign for the past eight years, I think. And and every year, a number of students go through the class and it's a one credit hour class and they're taught all the things they need to know about how to how to build their budget and how to live on less and how to live like a student. Ultimately, um, I think a big picture is more schools need to function similarly to Purdue University. And um, the, the president at Purdue, Mitch Daniels, who was the governor of Indiana at one point, um, Mitch came in and said, hey, listen, I, I want to see if we can graduate students in three years. Can we save them a year of tuition? And so we put $500,000 behind it and said, the department that comes up with the best three-year program will win a $500,000 grant you know, to do with as they please. And all of a sudden they had all these great plans and programs in place that would get students out in three years, saving them, you know, in some cases, $20,000 or more. Um, I I question why we need a four year degree. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we need to pump young people out that can go to work, but they don't necessarily need to take an entire year of electives that really, you know, don't do them any justice once they get out. Now, granted, I'm, I'm all about liberal arts and studying and, and the love of learning. But if the goal is to reduce the amount of overall debt, then we have to look at how long these students are in school to begin with. Completely agree. And, and then on the parent level, what can we do to help prepare our kids to avoid this debt chokehold? Well, I know this is going to sound somewhat glib, but I think as soon as your child is born, drop five grand, whether you can afford it or not, into a 529 plan and let that thing grow. Because over the course of a child going from zero to 18, you've probably got at least two doublings in there. So you've got 20 grand set aside. That's enough for one year. And hopefully in that amount of time, you can you can eke out another five or 10 grand over time, which could double again. And now you've got two years. And I think for the majority of students, if a, if a family could cover two full school, then the student should be on the hook for the other two. And if they do it right, they could get those two years covered either through an associate's degree or through scholarships and grants. And so it's a it's a it's about a family raising a young person to understand how much that debt really costs, how much college really costs how much they are on the hook for, and then all of the strategies that are out there that a young person can employ to get out of school with as little debt as possible. We'll be back to the show in just a moment after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work-optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. 
If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for considering our sponsors today, everybody. Let's jump back into that interview. I threw this out on Twitter actually last week. We were having some conversations about, you know, the scholarships that are out there and the opportunity for, you know, to to gain some money that way. Um, And just threw it out there to people to say, what else could we be doing? A lot of cool ideas came out of even, even somebody told, told me to have my kids emigrate to Switzerland. (laughs) Just go get the free college there. But, you know, let's talk about community college and trade schools. Is this a viable solution for a lot of Americans right now? Obviously you can live, a good life without a university degree. Are you seeing yes. a trend with, with um, students moving away from university and just, you know, embracing the college uh, community college growth? I don't, uh, yeah, I would say, I don't know if it's a, it's a formal trend. Mm-hmm. I haven't done the research on that. So I would hate to speak to that, but I, I think in general, what I'm seeing is more and more families are saying, yeah, this is silly. Why would we drop 40 or 50 grand for two years when junior can go to the community college and quite candidly, they're not ready. You know, in my opinion, I think 18 year olds are a little less mature today than they were 15 or 20 years ago. And, um, and so they are going to those. Now the caveat that I'll put on that, because I really do believe in the community college program. I believe in, in apprenticeships. I believe in an accreditation programs The challenge that I'm seeing out there is a lot of students will go and they'll just take their gen eds and get their associate's degree out of the way. And I think personally what they should be doing is looking at what two-year program can I take that would make me immediately employable by the age of 20, as an example. And then I'm going to go work for a year, maybe two, and I'm going to learn what it takes to, to work from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. every day and what it takes to make 35 or 40 grand a year. And if I'm living well on that at 20 and 21, at 22, I could then decide I'm going to go back and finish my degree because now I know that I really love HR or I really love, uh, you know, marketing or I really love, you know, fill in the blank career. 
I want to be an engineer or I want it, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I think too many of them are saying, okay, I have my AA. Now what can I do? Versus I went to go get a degree in optics. You know, there's a, there's a community college not far from me that, that has the oldest optics program in the country and the optics program teaches them how to calibrate lasers. (laughs) And these lasers are used in advanced manufacturing and, and research and things like this. It is a 21 month program. So it's three trimesters. It costs about $15,000 total to go through three trimesters. And these graduates of this program are getting recruited for jobs in California that pay 80 and $90,000 a year. There you go. So, so I question the logic of, well, I have to go get a four year degree. I beg to differ. I have a good friend in Silicon Valley who said, if you take the machine learning course on Udemy, he would pay you a hundred thousand dollars a year to be on his machine learning team. You know, so, so this is the dichotomy that we're in. We have a, a society that really loves and bangs the drum of education. And we have industry that's looking for capable bodies who know how to do something really well that don't require four year degrees. And, and there is a wide chasm in between the two that we have to begin to close for, for students to graduate and know that they're gainfully employed and they can live on, you know, on their income. What a great conversation. You have two boys and one girl. So let's get personal a little bit. How are you handling this situation here? How are you getting your three kids through college? So we, we did the route of, of putting money in 529 plans for a very long time. Um, my kids are 10, uh, 10, 13 and 15 right now. Um, I will also say my father, uh, was extremely generous and, and put some money in a 529 plan for each of them. And, and it was around the $5,000 mark. And so we've seen doubling of those amounts. Now, as it sits right now, they each have enough to get them completely through two years and our goal was to to uh, be very open and honest with them about a how much was there, and b to tell them, hey, listen, there's a bucket of money, and this bucket of money will will get you, you know, x number of years at a private school. It will get you x number of years at a public school. It'll get you an associate's degree and then some. Um, it could get you a car at the end if you're very savvy with getting scholarships. And um, and and I will say that my children know probably more than most how much college costs as a byproduct of who their dad is. Um, we sit at the dinner table and we'll talk about here's how much books cost for a semester. You know what I mean? Here's how much students are taking out in loans and how ridiculous it is. And so my daughter is thinking through, we had this conversation today in the car. She said, dad, some of my friends and I were talking about what we could do instead of college. And, and I said, you know, I don't want to to, to thwart any ideas of going. And she said, no, I don't mean ever. I just mean like right away, what else could we do? And they were talking Peace Corps and they were talking, uh, you know, volunteering and getting a job. And, and one said, Hey, I might become a real estate agent, you know? So these kids are thinking and they're starting to, uh, to pay attention to the news of, of young people with 80 grand in loans and going, yeah, I can't, I can't live on this, but I figure I'll have my student loans forever, which is not a way to live. A big part of your solution then is having a very 
open communication style with your children about money in general, but also about this situation that they are headed into in a very short period of time. Yes. And and I believe changing the mindset just a hair, Andy, of, well, this, you have to, I mean, you have to go if you're going to be successful and, and it's different today. I don't know what changed, but I know enough people who have succeeded despite not having a degree. And I don't think it's, it's a, it's a necessary thing to be successful. I think it's helpful. Um, you know, I learned all sorts of great things from my college experience and I hope my, my kids do too. Um, but I don't know that any of those things wouldn't necessarily equate to success for me. So I think it's changing the mindset. And then I think it's being very clear about ROI and I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a business guy. I, I look at return on investment all the time. I look at it with real estate. I look at it with my time. I look at it with business partnerships. What is the return on investment? Mm -hmm. And with a degree program, we've got to ask, you know, are people being recruited out of those programs and hired um, and able to make ends meet based on what they're making and what their debt load is? Mm -hmm. And that's how we start looking realistically at ROI uh, from a, from a family perspective. So French literature degree for 200,000 <laughs> or engineering degree for 200,000, right? Yeah. Got well, <laughs> I mean, they stopped, they stopped the French literature factory some time ago. So <laughs> I just don't think there's a lot of jobs out there. Oh, I'm very sorry about that. All our French literacy, literacy majors here. So, so yes. you, you talked a little bit about your kids, um, or are setting up the conversation with them saying, Hey, here's what we're going to be able to contribute. And then maybe you might have to pay a little bit of your way when you're in school or, or build up a little bit of um, money while you're in high school. Is that, is that kind of your thought right now for them? Yes. So they, they each get an allowance. Mm-hmm. Um, they get an allowance on a weekly basis. Um, 10% of their allowance goes to saving. 10% goes to investing. 10% goes to giving. 70% is theirs to do with as they please. Um, we have a family 401k program. So the, the amount that goes in their invest jar, I will double every month up to $25. So on a monthly basis, they could be clearing 50 bucks if they put up to their 25 in that invest jar. And my goal with that is I want them to get a taste of what it's like to have money in the market and to be growing and, and to get paid dividends and all of those things. Um, and that money ultimately will help fund a, a, a vast majority of their college expenses. Mm-hmm. Um, the other side of that is I've also told them that I would I would pay 50 cents on the dollar for any scholarships they uh, procure. So, you know, hey, if they get a thousand bucks, I'm happy to write a five hundred dollar check into their college account because that's five hundred I didn't have to pay. Mm-hmm. So so I'm I'm more than willing to help sponsor and fund uh, when they are being proactive about how to pay for college on their own. Money talks. Yeah, <laughs> it is. You know, it's a reward, right? It's a reward system. And, um, and I think some, I, we're clearly in a different position, I think, than some families. So, um, I've had people say, well, I can't do that. And, and that's okay. Uh, can you pay them $5 for every scholarship application they finish? Mm-hmm. Um, that's another way to reward the behavior. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to, a incentivize them, but B also get them motivated to 
to figure out different ways of paying for school so they're not incurring massive amounts of debt. And the scholarship process, uh, are you already starting to think about that or is that some time for high school? What's your plan for that? Yes, already. Uh, When I did when I, I created a program called Scholarship Mastery, mm-hmm. uh, which can be found at scholarshipmastery.com. And when I did the research for that, which was about 400 hours of, of deep dive into the scholarship process, I found that you can actually start um, getting scholarships in third grade. And so those third grade awards are, you know, they're offered by uh, Jeff Peanut Butter and, and uh, Olive Garden and places like this. But it doesn't hurt to get your kids in that mode where they're actually filling out applications at an early age. So we started right around third grade. The kids uh, will they'll do a number of applications throughout the year. And obviously, my daughter, who's now in high school, is a little more focused on it because she's eligible for a lot more now Mm -hmm. than she would have been before. Um, But yes, it's absolutely a focus. That's great. Have you had any success with filling out some applications? We've had we've had two wins so far, nice. which is good, um, and it it helps put a little more gas in the tank, you know, because um, they were getting the the five dollars from us for every time they did an application, and that that's fine. Um, but but after a while, my particularly my daughter was um, feeling maybe a little dejected, and and I was like, this it takes practice, yeah. and and it is it is the law of return, right? You have to continually plug in before you get the return. But I have a feeling that with all of them, by the time they're juniors and seniors, they will win more than they lose. Yeah. I interviewed a mom who had filled out or worked with her son to fill out 150 and she only won six, but those six were huge. So it's, it's a numbers game, right? Like you said, it is a numbers game. No question. Well, where can people find your documentary, Broke, Busted, and Disgusted? If they go to BrokeBustedDisgusted.com, you can either download or a stream. It's available on Amazon. It is available on the Google Play Network. And, um, and we have a number of partners, one of those being Thrivent Financial. And if you go to ThriventStudentResources.com, um, it's also available there. You can watch the entire film there on their site. And, and I'll tell you what, Andy, it's one of those films that um, it's, it's a conversation starter. Like I want families. And when we made it, we, we sat down and said, we want families to watch this and to talk about it at the dinner table. And, and it has prompted some amazing discussion across the board. What can people expect if they watch the film? Uh, they'll be scared. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we focused... Uh, very candidly, we focused on, on a lot of the negative aspects in terms of young people who've come out. We have one young lady in the film who has $298,000 in student loans. And, um, she says, I have my dream job. And at five o'clock I drive to target and I work at target from five 30 to 10 30, several nights a week to make ends meet. Um, we wanted to have a little bit of shock factor in there. But we also we also tease, you know, some other opportunities like the apprenticeship program that you brought up. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think more than anything, that idea that if you don't know what you're in school for, that it's OK to question why you're in school currently. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole idea of it's a very expensive place to find yourself when you're paying twenty five thousand dollars a year and struggling, grasping at straws about who you want to be or what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's okay to hit the pause button and figure that out. 
So I understand you have a viewing goal for uh, the documentary. How, how's that going? Well, you know, obviously we have no idea what our exact numbers are, but the the documentary was picked up by CNBC in 2017, and we estimate that we had several hundred thousand views of the doc. Um, We have had another several hundred thousand views just from being played in schools and community colleges and colleges around the country. And so my goal is to have millions of people. Like my number is 5 million. Um, I don't know that I'm there yet, but we're plugging along. And my, my other TED talk that I did at the London Business School just crossed over 2 million views. So I know it's possible. I know that we're, we're, we're inching towards the goal little by little, and we're making a difference, I think. Well, you're all about consistency and keeping up with uh, difficult things because it works in the long run, right? So, (laughs) Absolutely. It is definitely a marathon. Well, cool. Where's the best place that uh, people can follow you and connect with you, Adam? You know, so two, I'm going to give two sites. The first one is my blog site where I'm, I'm writing a lot of content, um, around the student loan stuff and just around mindset and behavioral finance, how to change your habits um, and that is masteryofmoney.com, mastery of money. Um, I heard a speaker once, we should all be pursuing mastery in something. And I decided to pursue mastery of money um, since Zig Ziglar said it ranks right up there with oxygen in terms of importance. <laughs> and then um, the other place is to go to adamspeaks.com. And that's my speaking site where uh, I my demo reel is there and I do a lot of um, – there's, there's a, a, some podcast episodes there as well, and it's just a place where you can find out more about my speaking topics. So masteryofmoney.com and adamspeaks.com. If you want to see a really exciting, well-put-together TED Talk, I'm going to put this in the show notes, everybody. you got to check out Adam Speak on both. Actually, both of them were really well done. So I'm going to put those Thank in you. the show notes uh, for everybody to check out, as, long, uh, as well as these uh, links for your sites and uh, to Broke, Busted, and Disgusted. Um, but, uh, I really appreciate you joining today and having this conversation. It is a top of my mind quite a bit. Obviously the headlines jump out and grab you quite a bit, but as a father with young kids, it's just something that, um, you know, a lot of people are thinking about right now. So thank you so much for speaking to us tonight about it. And, uh, thanks again. Andy, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. That was an eye-opening interview with a really smart father. I, I don't have the solution to this national student debt crisis, and I, I don't think Adam does either. What we do have is the ability to encourage you to prepare and educate your children about what lies ahead for their future. This problem will not be solved for us. <laughs> so here are three takeaways from my chat with Adam that will help keep this crisis from knocking over our family trees. Number one, 529 accounts. Start investing in a 529 college savings account for your child's future education as early as you can. Compound interest is key when you need to grow a boatload of moolah. The tax-free growth is an incredible perk as well. Number two, Consider alternatives to the four-year university. Adam suggested we reframe the conversation with our kids. What two-year degree can they get that will help make them immediately employable? And then after they learn what they like doing, then they can invest further. 
it's quite often the case that most 18 year olds have no freaking clue what they want to do for a career. I know I sure didn't. And I I don't think I still do. I have no idea what I want to do for a career. (laughs) But times are changing too. Adam mentioned that he knew a manager that would hire someone for a hundred thousand plus dollar a year job that just took a a Udemy course. (laughs) Talk about a solid return on the investment, both for, for time and money. Uh, I like how his daughter brought up becoming a real estate agent and just another way to think outside the box of this four-year university trap. The point is to change the mindset that you have to go to a four-year university. Number three, pick a major that pays. If the four-year degree is the choice that your family makes, Be sure it is one that gives your child a good return on investment. Adam and I joked about the French literature majors, but in all seriousness, if you're going to plop down $200,000 for a college education, the starting salary and the progressive levels of pay better be worth it. And then, you know, this $200,000 number sounds like a lot, but that's what I understand my little Zoe is going to need in order to go to my alma mater, Michigan State state-level university, in-state, it's it's kind of nuts. Doctors, lawyers, engineers, finance positions, tech industry jobs, these are all high-paying professions today. But if your child isn't going to go to college for another 12 years like me, like my little Zoe, the landscape might be completely different by the time she gets there. That's why it is so exciting and frightening at the same time. <laughs> So those are my top three takeaways. Number one, save in the 529 ASAP. Number two, consider alternatives to the four-year university. And then number three, pick a major that pays. These conversations are great ones to have. Let's all start having them with our kids early and often so they know what they're getting into. After all, we won't be able to strengthen our family trees when our kids are strapped with loads and loads of debt. Student freedom would be an incredible gift to give our children. Now it's time to announce the Money Master of the Week. Jack from New York sent me a voicemail about a recent debt-crushing win in his life. He's taking control and winning. Let's hear from Jack. Hey, Andy. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. My name is Jack, I'm from New York, and I just paid off two out of three credit cards this week. How did I do it? I bit the bullet and I sold out of the $4,000 that I had been saving and investing over the years while in college, and I had invested the money in Wealthfront and Robinhood. And for those that don't know Wealthfront, it is a robo-advisor that invests your money in so many different kinds of mutual funds, from the American stock market index fund to emerging market in uh, you know stock market index funds and Robinhood is a democratized free stock trading app and so you can pretty much trade stocks for free minus the one cent that is a pass-through fee from the stock market itself my next goal I just cashed out of eight thousand dollars from my Vanguard S&P 500 index fund and I am looking to use the money to pay off almost all of my main credit card balance on my remaining one credit card in one go. You can find me at jackthedreamer.com 
where I talk about my financial failures on the road to financial independence. Thank you. Jack has eradicated two out of three credit cards in his wallet, and now he's looking to erase the last one as well. He's making big strides in crushing his overall debt. And kudos to Jack for saving and investing during college. His planning and patience has definitely paid off. I'm pretty sure I didn't even know what an index fund was until, oh, maybe 15 years after college. So kudos, Jack, for getting that going. If you want to learn more about Jack and follow his path to financial independence, go to jackthedreamer.com. That's jackthedreamer.com. Jack, thank you so much for connecting and congratulations for being our Money Master of the Week. Do you have a recent financial victory that you want to share in this show? I would love to hear from you. Please shoot me a voicemail like Jack did at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail or go email style and send me one at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com. You'll find all the links and resources for today's show at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 86. Do me a favor, my friends, go to your favorite podcast player today and hit subscribe to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast. Your support is helping me grow this show and our community. Last month, we had over 10,000 downloads. Oh, my. I I just can't even, I can't put the right words to it. I'm so blown away that... (laughs) The 10,000 downloads happened last month. I'm so proud and so grateful for all of you for supporting me along the way. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from John F. Kennedy. Children are the living messages we send to a time we will not see. Let's do our best for our kids and our country's future. Carpe diem. 